Hi, this is Sam Lagana with the Los Angeles Rams. Who's house? You're listening to the Los Angeles Rams UK Podcast. Undenied worldwide, the Los Angeles Rams. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's go Rams! Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Los Angeles Rams UK Podcast. Joining me this evening, we have Rob. Hey folks, how are you doing? Very well, very well. Yourself, Rob, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Tony. I'm good. Excellent. Um, we don't have any other Rams representatives this evening, but a little bit later we will have JC Allen, uh, who is a beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get that far down the line, um, I think it's I think it's beholden of us to talk about the Colts game, Rob. Um, that was a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to say the least, Tony. Um, you know, it, it, it just shows you I did not underestimate the Colts going into this game, but uh, they certainly made a game of this, didn't they? Um, and I think the scoreline, you know, certainly shows that 20, 27-24 was a, was, a, was a close tussle. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 bizarrely, I was the only one of the team that had this down for a loss. I am pleased that I was wrong, and I'm now behind in the running for the prediction stakes. Um, but yeah, I you know, as much as it was a roller coaster, it never really got out of our hands. You know, there was that. Well, let, let's not go too far in front of us, but um, obviously the first quarter um, was interesting. Um, that goal line defense. Um, where we held the Colts on the line and then Leonard Floyd went round for the sack, which killed them. Um, and then, you know, that massive drive by Stafford, which ended in that um, in, in that Cooper Cup um, touchdown. Um, that, was, that was the perfect response um, from both the defence and the offence. It was, um, and as you saw, the, the Colts, you know, looked to have a head of steam early, um, you know, marching straight down to the, the one-yard line. Um, as you rightly said, you know, the three runs were stuffed at the, the one-yard line, and then, as I say, Floyd came up with the big sack. Um, so, and, and I think if you look at the defence last, last uh, you know, week before uh, in the Bears game, you know, I heard the commentator saying, you know, it was, it was almost a kind of bend but don't break defence. And I think we saw a little of that from our defence early on. Um, and then Stafford, you know, very much getting the run going early um, a good positive drive and then to find Cooper Cup wide open in the in the end zone was just the, the start we were looking for Excellent yes and it's always good to get with a Cooper Cup um, touchdown so so the first quarter finished with us with the 7-0 seven, seven up um, mm-hmm. and the second quarter um, was Interception City um, Yes it was so with with that Troy with a well with the um, Carson Wentz shuffle pass on the line, um, which Troy Reader gobbled up, bless his little socks. He did. It was the strangest thing you, you ever saw, Tony, because again, it was a really strong drive right down into the red zone um, by the Colts, and then just this I can only describe as ugly looking shovel pass um, that Troy Reader just found in his breadbasket. Um, and, and again, you know, it, it was it was it was kind of relief because again they were chopping right on the door um, and then just completely shot themselves in the foot. Mm. Yes, it was it was it seemed to be a bizarre decision that Wentz made. Um and obviously, we're not going to complain about it because it was uh, it was a fantastic release valve for us. Um, 
and um, you know tr- trading field goals, um, which which led us ten six in, into the half. Um, and we'll, 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 we're just going to trot out that um, statistic, which is now um, thirty nine games leading at the half and not losing. Fabulous. Yeah, you would, you, would, you would take that, wouldn't you? Because um, often, you know, games can be made or broken in the, in the first half quite often, you know. So, yeah, and that, that's a start to be proud of, certainly. Yeah, uh, and now that we've mentioned it, everybody has to take a drink, of course. Mm. <laughs> Them's the rules. I don't make them, I just enforce them. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I think there was there was quite a few um, adjustments at half-time. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to lead us into that, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, looking at the start of the the the, the third quarter, you know, um, the, the one that stands out for me again, again, we get a pretty decent drive growing, uh, going, going even, um, and then we get the big screen pass to Cooper Cup for forty-five yards, um, and as I say, kind of off the back of that, we started to see Daryl Henderson kind of get a foothold in the game a little bit as well, and we established a bit of a running game. Um, and then shortly after that, Daryl Henderson takes it in for the touchdown, and 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 again things are looking very positive. And again, we're we're up by two scores, and, and it's, it's happy times. Happy times indeed. Yeah, I mean the, the the run game did take a while to get established, not quite as long as as week one, um, but yeah, you know, it, it it does feel as though Matthew Stafford is is going to be pass first and then wait to actually establish the run game to keep the ball safe. Um but I mean Henderson in the in the first half, you know, he had he had I think it was on the first drive, he had a 23 yard pass reception. So mm-hmm. he, he's becoming a, a a versatile player for us as much as Cooper Cup who who was on the line tackling um quite a bit. So I mean he's he's becoming that um Swiss Army knife type player for us. I felt like Robert Woods, and I've said that in previous podcasts, you know, Robert Woods does everything well, you know, and yeah, I think Cooper Cup is very much growing into that role, but going back, just touching on Daryl Henderson, yeah, you know, um, you were really seeing him coming into the game, I think, at that point in the third quarter, and again, I said on previous podcasts that when we've saw Daryl Henderson for spells, particularly the beginning of last season, For me, he has looked very, very good. I quickly take you back to the Bills game last year. We we went in the game in the first first half. um, And I know we came back in the second half and almost pipped him. But the only positive thing you could take from the first half of that Bills game was Daryl Henderson's performance. Uh, And that was was what really got us going on the back of that in the second half. Um, Henderson knows this year that he has to step up. Um, he knows he has to be that dual threat running back. You know that that, that that he's not only having to run the ball, he's catching the ball out the backfield. And you know the decisions that Matthew Stafford were making in this game were, were really warming my heart because you saw Matthew Stafford make very good decisions. You know he's he's a guy with a big arm. He wants to go deep. He's looking deep off of those play action passes. But when it wasn't there, he was making the decisions because the protection was good, and he was checking the ball down to Daryl Henderson, who who was giving very decent gains, you know, actually from that check, that check down row and catching the ball. So, yeah, that, that dual threat back is something that's very important, certainly with the absence, you know, of, of uh, Cam Akers, who, who, would, who would be doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, at the end of the third quarter, we had that bizarre situation. I, I actually missed this because I'd gone to grab some, um, some nipples. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. What, what happened there, Rob? 
From what I could see, Tony, you were, you were kind of, until it was all kind of discussed, you know, a few minutes after the, the whole situation, you were kind of left to your own devices. Uh-huh. Um, I was sitting watching it with my daughter, and really what I saw was at the end of the play, um, you know, Kenny Young jumped up, and you could see he was absolutely boiling. You know, he was jumping up and down, flaying his hands in the air, and and a couple of guys had spoke to him, you know, to try and kind of calm him down. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, I don't exactly know what happened under the pile, but something had obviously, you know, really perturbed him um, and amongst the pile after the play but the but the the issue was then exasperated by the 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 referee or the the the, the official coming over and speaking to Kenny Young whose hands were flailing flailing up and down at the time and when his right hand came down it kind of hit the the official on the hat yeah. and kind of displaced his hat and his glasses and that's when the flags came flying um, and then it was explained that, that he, he had been ejected for coming into contact with the official. Mm. Um, and, you know, for, for me, during the game, it was a big turning point because shortly after that, you could see the momentum actually swinging to the Colts. And the, the next couple of offensive drives that we actually had, we did begin to kind of cough and splutter. Um, and, and it was a turning point in the game. Um, and I, I remember actually Aaron Donald speaking to him before, before he was actually laid off. Uh, the park and also Jalen Ramsey speaking to him um, mm. you know two, two of your captains and none of them could seem to bring him back down so I haven't got to the bottom of what actually has taken place um, but certainly it was it was something that had really got to him you know d- during that play yeah I, I saw both Donald and Ramsey speaking to him as well uh, in the aftermath and it was I've, I've not seen any close-up tape of of what actually happened but he was he was very excited about something um but yeah, disappointing to see one of our players go off like that. Um, but obviously, we don't know the full story. Um, Ex- exactly. I mean, we, we don't know the full story. But you know, as as I'm sure you'll and in, in the listening will understand. You know, to, to to be ejected for something like that only hurts the team. And I'm sure once he had some time to calm down about it all, yeah, yeah, he's got an issue with something. But 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 to come in contact with the official as unintentional as I'm sure it was mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just unacceptable once the flags absolutely flew I turned to my daughter and I said I said he's, he, he'll be off for that it's, it's, yeah. I mean, he, he just, he, you, you don't survive that you know that's an automatic ejection um, right. and as I say it, it was because it looked to be a real turning point um, because you, you actually saw our, our offence began to splutter and I think our next two drives um, you saw the court coming back into the game a little bit um, and we actually, I think, had two, two, three and outs, I think, um, just after that. And it did seem to take the wind out of our sails. Um, and then the, the Colts got a drive actually going. Um, and then uh, Wentz finds uh, Pascal um, in the end zone for the touchdown. And then they went for the two-pointer, I think, after it. Um, and uh, the, the, there you actually were, you know, the, the, the Colts. Uh, so the Colts are back in the game and it's only 17-14 at this point um, and that, that was the only part of the game as you said earlier Tony it, from quite early on in this game I had a positive feeling j- just the way the game was transpiring and how we looked um, that, that I thought that this was a very winnable game for us particularly kind of getting up early but this was the only time I thought you know that the wind had been taken out of our sails and you could see the Colts coming back in but for all they had trailed in the game up until this point they were never out of it and, and Wentz was playing, playing reasonably well I actually thought mm-hmm. the, the ground game wasn't massively hurting us but it was, it was keeping us honest um, and it, that, that was the first point in the game in the third quarter where I actually thought to myself you know we're actually in a fight here we're actually in a real tussle here um, we, we need to get our nose to the ground um, and, and try and get back to where we actually were you know, a, a few drives previous 
Yeah, and and, and obviously there was the the, the fumble um, from from the special teams, and it was quite prophetic of um, Tom last week to say that the biggest worry for him was the the, the Rams beating themselves, um, and it, it came to fruition unfortunately um, with 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 the Colts taking advantage of that fumble for the touchdown. Yeah, Tony, it was a catalogue of errors. I mean, I, I actually watched that again today, actually on Game Pass, um, j- just to get my head around it. Um, from, from what you see, the, the snapper actually looks okay. It's one of the blockers behind the snapper. He moves to the left, but doesn't move far enough. And then the ball comes out and hits his leg and then continues to trundle off to the right-hand side of Johnny Haker and in towards, or certainly going towards the end zone. Now, here's here's where it becomes, you know, um, here's where it becomes even uglier for us because at that point, Johnny Haker has to really recover the ball and then either take a knee or be tackled in the end zone. And that would have only been a two-point safety. Because yep. I was actually looking into this, um, but no, Hecker actually tries to actually pick up the ball, doesn't manage to secure it. He because he has then touched the ball. The ball is now live in the end zone, and it's recovered by the Colts. And as I say, thanks to Hecker not being able to fall on it and just wrap it up, um, we actually find ourselves actually six points down there and then. And it was a catalogue of errors. It, it, it certainly was. It felt a bit of a debacle, um, which led us pretty much straight into the um, the fourth quarter. Um, and you know, we, the Rams come back strong. Um, they, you know, they do. Four, we, we actually lose. Sorry, Tony. It's okay. I was I was just going to say four plays, seventy yards, with a Cooper Cup touchdown. Yeah, that's it. And as you, and just previous to that, we had lost Daryl Henderson. Um, we, we didn't know the, the extent of the injury at that point, but so, so, Sonny Michelle comes in, um, as I say, and then, and then as you say, um, Stafford to cup on the, the big pass uh, and then back to cup again for the touchdown. And before you know it, there's that 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 quick response that, that you're hoping your team can show and have a bit of character actually, you know, and, and, and fight back after a mistake like that. Um, and before you actually know it, as I say, we're actually back in the lead. Um, but but yeah, I mean, you've got to give Cooper Cup plaudits for the whole game, haven't you? I mean, he was he was so he was so crucial, you know, from start to finish with some really big pickups, you know, and and not just you know um, you know the receptions and the big receptions, but in the screen game as well, you know. I mean, he, he really did keep them honest because and the screen game is relatively just another run, just an, another running pay up play, albeit a, a kind of short pass certainly out to the bubble screen um, receiver but as I say, yeah, I mean the, the blocking was good from like Van Jefferson and Robert Woods as, as you would expect um, and yeah I mean Coop just had, had a really a great game such a sure pair of hands um, and as I say, got us back into it, as I say, and it's, it's nice to see that quick strike ability from the team because you have that and you can utilise that you're never down in a game, you know certainly, certainly a game as close as this Yeah, and you know, we had a quick trade of uh, field goals, Colts first to draw the draw the game level at twenty four, mm-hmm. uh, thirty five year, thirty five yard field goal, um, quickly followed by Matt Gay nailing a thirty eight yard um, mm-hmm. field goal, which put us our noses in front with twenty seven. But crucially, at that time, um, I believe we had all three of our timeouts left, and Tampa had one. Did they? Um, I'd have to double check that, but yeah, I, I think you're right on that, Tony. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah, and because I, they, they they did get the ball back near the end, didn't they? To, to certainly have a drive. I mean, they, they got the ball back after that field goal, uh, and crucially, 
you know that was that was the interception that pretty much sealed the, sealed the game. It was um, J- Jalen Ramsey again um, picking the ball, reading it. Obviously, Wentz had gone off by then. It was um, Eason at quarterback, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Can, can I tell you some, something about that, Tony? Because um, when you actually see the injury to, to Carson Wentz, I felt very sorry for him, just an accidental kind of roll up on the ankle. Um, but but it, it did look quite bad, and I, I, I thought he could potentially be out for the rest of the game. When Eason came on, I actually turned to my daughter and I actually says, I says, do you know something? Jalen Rams has been kind of quiet this whole game, you know, <laughs> the, the standard of like the, the previous week and, and last year, I thought, do you know something? He's just going to pop up with an interception and then sure enough, you know, a couple of plays later, he picks that ball off on the sideline and more or less ends the game. And I just thought, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy where, you know, we're moving about the park and he's just going to pop up now and again. And that's exactly what he did, just to, just to, just to more or less see the game out for us. Yep, yep. Um, and, you know, that, that pretty much did seal the game because... Um, we ended up punting it, and then we had the the lateral passes, which is always the the dying throws of a losing team, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, right, f- from the Colts, which which is always it's always it's, it's always quite fun when you see. Because I I always wonder if uh, an NFL team should go the the rugby route and actually try more lateral passes, you know, spread it across the field. But I, I just don't think there's the organisation there. There's no plan for it. It's such a lottery, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the one thing it reminds me of is the old hook and lateral. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the play, Tony, but basically it's it's two receivers going up the same side of the park. Um, one receiver gets the ball, and then, as I say, as soon as he's tackled, he laterals the ball to the, to the next receiver. And and it's it's kind of like that, you know. Um, there, there's been the odd occasion in the past where I've saw that play actually um, uh, work out, you know, where it's, it's back-passed maybe three or four times. And the most recent time I saw it work out was for uh, was for the Dolphins um, against the Patriots a couple of seasons ago. And the last right. guy, who, yeah, the last guy who was able to make the tackle was Gronkowski and he couldn't get there. Um, and uh, the Dolphins go in to win the game. And it was, it was the, the strangest play you ever saw, yeah. That's right. I do remember that now. I do mm. remember that. Excellent recall, Rob. Very good. Um, so yeah, that that led us to the the, the twenty seven twenty four win on the road in Indianapolis. Yes, we'll take that on the road. Excellent. Certainly will. Um, so I, I think we're beholden now to actually move on to the, um, the the upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And welcome by JC Allen, fresh from Tampa Bay, um, beat reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. JC, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's a good year to be uh, covering the Buccaneers. Uh, they've got a really good squad. Obviously, defending Super Bowl champions. Um, and personally, I mean, the weather the weather's beautiful down here, so can't complain too much about that either. <laughs> it's not too bad in the UK, but I bet it's nowhere, not a patch on the the weather in Florida. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's uh, it's 88 degrees right now, so it's nice and nice and sunny, nice and hot. Uh, it, it's the first day of fall, coincidentally, too. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't have fall down here. Our fall, our winter is pretty much fall when it gets the, to normal temperatures. But uh, it, it's great for the players to get acclimated to this heat and play in this heat because it really helps out their conditioning. Yeah. No, I bet. I bet. Excellent. Well, 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 thanks very much for for joining us for this uh, special podcast where we have a an opposition um, representative. Um, so, obviously, we, you, you've just uh, Rob is on the call with us, the podcast with us as well today. So, yeah, let's get straight into it. So, I mean, twenty 
2020 season was was a bit of a high point for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, was that something you was expecting, really, with the with the, tra- with the transfers that you made? You know, I, I thought they had the the talent and the roster to be able to do it. How quickly everything would come together was a question. Uh, and, and by all accounts, if if you've you know read or heard anything. Uh, definitely check out some of our stuff at PeterReport.com. But Tom Brady didn't know the playbook entirety until around week 12, week 13, going into their bye week. So it was a struggle. Uh, they had some bad losses, lost to some really competitive teams, such as the Rams. Uh, but, you know, having that late bye week really kind of helped them reset, figure out, okay, what can we do um, better? What, how can we improve? And anytime you give Tom Brady a late, week, a late bye week headed into that month of December, He's gonna he's gonna make the most out of it, and you saw him then just do just that, go on that eight game win streak all the way to the Super Bowl. So did I think they were Super Bowl contenders year one? Yes. Did I actually think they'd make it, let alone win it? Um, you know, I, I definitely thought I was in the realm of possibility. Uh, I think playing, being the first team to play in a Super Bowl at home, uh, was definitely a motivating factor once they got into the dance. And after they got past that Saints team, I just didn't really see another team. That would be able to stop them, not because they didn't have the the ability to, just because of the the level of confidence and the the way the team was playing as a unit. So, it, it was it was a pleasant surprise, especially for Tampa Bay Bucks fans, uh, you know, to go tag along, sandwich in between two Stanley Cup trophies. So I know uh, Tampa Bay, as they're calling it, is, is is pretty happy here, and the Bucks look, you know, in a good position to maybe do it again this year. I think most Rams fans were um, quite pleased to see you beat New Orleans in the in the Superdome, just like we had done um, the season or two before. Uh, right. That's always it's always quite delicious when that happens. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think we were a little bit disappointed that you became the the first team to play and then win a Super Bowl in your own stadium, because um, of course we have the opportunity to do something similar this season. Yeah, it's going to – and, you know, looking around the landscape of the league – and, again, we're only two weeks in, so it's really hard to make, uh, you know, really strong cases. Um, but the Rams, they, they've looked pretty good. They won a close game when they need to. Um, they they have, I think, the pieces necessary both on offense and defense. Obviously, upgrading at the quarterback position with Matt Stafford is just has opened things up more down the field and – he doesn't make as many mistakes as Jared Goff. So I think, you know, there's a really good shot that the Rams could be the representative for the NFC. They're just going to have to get past the Bucks first. <laughs> and I think that goes vice versa as well. But I mean, just, just step back a little bit for the the comment you made about upgrading from Goff to Stafford. Did you see that as a, as a very obvious upgrade? Yeah. I mean, I think they paid a lot for it. Um, hmm. This is the Rams team that hasn't had a first round pick in what last four years. Um, so they do very well drafting, uh, very well at, you live in LA, it's not too hard to convince free agents to come out there, but, um, marketing ability, weather, obviously star power. Um, but I, I definitely think it was an upgrade. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be able to, and as you've already seen, let Sean McVay run the offense, how he wants to with little oversight. He doesn't have to play quarterback from the sideline. This is a veteran QB who, can come in, make the calls, make the adjustments as needed, make the throws, and make the right throws, the smart throws, and make great decisions, and not have to kind of have someone look over his eye. Now, that's not a, a knock on Jared Goff, because I think he'll be a successful quarterback, but I don't know. If you if you were a fan watching Monday Night Football, and he throws that interception to lose the game, pretty much, 
uh, to not lose the game, but pretty much say this is over. I don't think if you're a Rams fan, you were, you were too surprised by that. So having a guy of Matt Stafford's ilk, who I think, you know, it could be a Hall of Fame player. I mean, he certainly has the talent, hasn't had the weapons uh, around him, whether at post Calvin Johnson or defensive wise. And now he has that. He's got guys like Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods and Van Jefferson and a defense to go along with it. So I think Sean McVay saw an unhappy Matt Stafford who wanted to get out and beat everybody else to the punch because there are multiple teams, New England, Indianapolis, vying for his services. And, and they did what it took to get him there. And it's it, so far after two games, it, it seems to have paid off. And you know the, the Rams are hoping it's going to pay off in the long run and bring them to a, a home Super Bowl. Definitely, yeah. It's, um, I don't think it's a long-term solution with Matthew Stafford, but um, I, I think for now, um, and the three, possibly four years, we could we could get good service out of him. I, th- I think he, I think he's a definite upgrade for the team, and it's. I think he's got the potential for that star power as well. I think it'll it'll do him a lot of. It'll have a lot of benefits for being in Los Angeles. Mm, exactly, marketing ability, and who knows? Maybe if you start stuff on the TB12 diet, you could play for you know six, seven years. <laughs> Let's hope so. If you can perform at that level, so um, the 2021 season, obviously both teams are two and zero at the moment, and uh, the only two and zero matchup in this coming week three set of series of games. Um, in Los Angeles this time, um, obviously we played last season um, at your place. Um, I forget the score, actually, but I know we did win. Um, <laughs> so a, a bit of an, a, an opportunity for revenge for you guys. Um, what are your expectations for this season? How, how do you see it going? I, I think if you look at what the front office and Jason Light, Jacqueline Davidson, and, and the front office as a whole was able to do and bring back I mean, everyone likes to say 22, but really 25 starters. They brought back their long snapper and their kicker as well as their punter. You know, they put themselves in a position to have the opportunity to repeat as world champions. Uh, This is a roster that knows each other uh, very well. They communicate very well with each other. Then you added some some pieces in there, um, you know, from some special teams help. And through the draft, um, a guy like Joe Tryon Shoinka, who – he might be the best one-on-one pass rusher for this Bucks team already, and we're only two games in. He looks that impressive. You, you add a guy like Giovanni Bernard, who we haven't seen a lot of, um, but I think he, he'll be able to add an, another element to this team. And the discipline. I mean, you're talking about Tom Brady came in and changed the entire culture last year, along with Gronkowski that, that Bruce Arians has been trying to build. Um, this is a team that is not going to rest on their laurels of last year. They're not going to get complacent. Uh, the the coaching staff was talking about, hey, when we brought Tom Brady and we brought Gronk in and everyone started talking about the Bucks as actual contenders instead of a laughing stock, you know, we feel like we got everyone's best shot last year. So we're prepared for everyone's best shot this year. Um, I, I think this is a team that as long as they can avoid beating themselves with mistakes, right now they're the highest penalized team in the league. Got to knock that off. Um, their pass rush is getting there. But it's not getting home. Uh, they have, they're one of the most have one of the highest pressure pressure rates in the league. Just not getting home. Um, you know, secondary obviously with some injuries there. Uh, but Carlton Davis has played it like one of the top cornerbacks in the league as expected. So I, I think if you look at this team through two games and even through the the off season, you know, you saw the ability for a potential repeat and. 
you know, that's the pinnacle of success for everybody, but it's not just one of their goals. Their, you know, their first goal is to win the division. And that's what they've got their eye on is winning the division. And then once you're in the dance, once you've got good seating, it, it's time to go to work. And there's nobody in the game, in the history of the game, that has done it better than Tom Brady. And he's going to keep these guys playing at an even keel. And I still don't think we've seen our best football from this Buccaneers team, which is something we didn't see from them at all until the Super Bowl, both offensively and defensively. So there's a lot of room for growth after two games. Uh, they have probably one of their toughest tests of the year. If you look at offensively and defensively with the Rams week three early, and it's really going to test their character and test um, what they can accomplish together as a team. But, you know, it, they lucked out with the fourth, you know, quotations, easiest schedule in the league based off strength of schedule of last year. It's just capitalizing, uh, not making those mental mistakes, not beating yourself. And really, as all teams know, uh, avoiding the injury bug too bad. But other than that, I don't see a reason why they can't be holding the Lombardi Trophy in L.A. this year. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely something we don't want to see from this side of the table. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does sound like quite a... a, a a good matchup this Sunday, to be honest. Um, I, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, and, and looking at our predictions that the six of us made at the beginning of the season, four of us had it down as a loss. Um, bizarrely, it's only Rob and myself that had it down for a win this coming week. Yeah, I looked at this game. I had this game as a win myself. Um I had next week before Stefan Gilmore was out for, for the first six weeks as a loss um, to the Patriots. But I had them as a win, close win. This is a game I could see obviously being a shootout, um, mm-hmm. but I could also see it being a low scoring game, too. Uh, I know, you know, Bucks on paper probably have the better defense, uh, maybe statistically a little bit, too. Uh, but there's Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey are probably top five players in the league on defense. And they're going to be able to do things that no other player can do. Now, fortunately for this Bucks team, they've been able to relatively hold Aaron Donald in check. Last year, he went statless. So if they can do that and, and you know, make the other guys beat you, uh, you know, Leonard, Leonard Floyd coming off the edge is, is no slouch. Uh, Ashawn Robinson's coming into his own. And, you know, uh, Joseph Day, he, he's a big guy. He's a big body. He's going to take up blockers. So we're just going to let Aaron Donald try to do his thing a little bit more. But, um, you know, looking at this this game, it's it's one of those where Mike Evans has already talked about it being a revenge game. Um, hmm. So, you know, this team is dialed in. They know their assignments. Uh, Antonio Brown now going on the COVID list today um, uh, on, on Wednesday is a little alarming. If he can't go, it kind of limits what you can do offensively. I thought it, you know, going into this game, Jalen Ramsey would probably shadow Mike Evans throughout the game. Um, and then you you know, have to trust your corners one on one with maybe some over the top safety help uh, against Gawin and Brown and, you know, Gronk as well to an extent. But if Antonio Brown can't go, it makes it a little easier to double team Chris Gawin and say, OK, beat us with Gronk, beat us with your running game, which both of these teams running games have been pretty inept the first two weeks. Um, and beat us with guys like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller. Now, I have faith the Bucks can do that, um, but it will certainly make this job a lot harder. Uh, but these are two very evenly matched teams. Uh, you look at what Stafford has added to this team. I think 
you know, with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson all being there, um, even Tyler Higby to an extent, I, I, you know, it's going to give this Bucks defense problems. Um, but I, I have the Bucks winning this game. Uh, it's going to be close, I think. I don't think in no way it's a blowout. It's either for some reason, because these games always happen where we look, oh, it's going to be a shootout. You know, it turns into these low-scoring slugfest type deals or it's going to be a shootout and it's going to be a close game final possession. So uh, it, it's definitely probably one of the marquee games of the year, um, even though it's early. Um, but looking at the way these two teams match up, they kind of marry each other a little bit. Excellent. Rob, um, I, I don't know if you want to come in on this conversation and maybe talk about some of the, the books players that you're particularly concerned about or, or where you think the um, the good matchup are for, for our Rams players. I, I look at that box team, guys, and, you know, it scares me. It really does. I, I honestly look at the offense and, you know, for, for years and having followed the NFL for years, you know, the, the box seem to always have that kind of run first kind of thing, you know, with the offense, you know, and, and the passing game is never the, the, the offensive uh, strength for the box. But you look at that box team now, you know, since Tom Brady has appeared and the pieces that have put uh, round about him, you know, and the guys that are already there, like Mike Evans and Godwin, you know, and it, and it's just a powerhouse. I look over the whole team and it's difficult to see a weakness to, to, to where you actually go to actually try and attack this team because... You know, you, you look at the box and, and as you rightly say, JC, you know, the strength is a path, the passing game, you know, but you can also threaten, obviously, with with Fornetti. And I think they're hoping to see more from young Ronald Jones this year as well, maybe hoping maybe a bit of a breakout season from maybe that guy they're kind of hoping. Um, as you say, they add, added the old Bengal, uh, uh, Giovanni Bernard as well. So, you know, they, they can certainly threaten on the ground, but... You you look at that wide receiver core and you, you and I'm just in awe of it. You know Mike Evans, you know Godwin, Antonio Brown. Granted, he might not be there, but you know certainly he possibly could be there. You know Gronkowski as well is such a big target there. Um, you know you you just see that team putting points up on anybody. Um, and and I just very much hope that that our secondary can kind of you know try and stymie that a little bit. You know certainly obviously you know Ramsey and Co. You know are no slouches, but. Uh, it's very much going to be a team. The Bucks strike me as a team that you don't want to go behind against them because they, they look to be able to score it well. And I very much hope that we, we keep it close, you know, but we, we can attack maybe some of the veterans on, on their defence, you know, because one thing about the Bucks team is is that age is maybe catching up with maybe one or two of them, you know, guys like Nandama Kamsu, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, the pass rush. Um, and as you rightly said, JC, it maybe wasn't the strongest pass rush last year. Maybe some of these guys coming to the latter stages of their career certainly still got some tread in their tyres, you know, certainly still a very strong defence. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping, you know, you know, if, if our offensive line can certainly hold that defensive line and keep Stafford upright, then certainly, again, we have the wide receiver core to really, you know, put, put points on the board and, and certainly hopefully compete with them. Excellent. I, th- I think one of the things that um, JC touched on there was, was obviously the focus is always on Aaron Donald. Um, and what we haven't seen in the last couple of seasons is that when teams focus on him, um, the other players on that line haven't stepped up and, and, and made, made an impact. And I think that even, you know, even after two games, I think we've seen several of our play of that, those defensive players actually step into that breach and make a bit of a name for themselves already. Um, do you agree with that, Rob? 
Um, yeah, I think you know you, you've always got to account for the likes of Aaron Donald and, and, and certainly you know the the the, the our pass rush that comes with that. Um, you know, I, again, as I say, I, I look at that that box offense and I look at the offensive line, and there's there's not a glaring weakness there either. You know, there, there's not a guy I could I could say you could honestly target. You know, whereby you know obviously we we have you know uh, Brian Allen playing centre. Um, and starting, you know, the, this year, we saw him starting in previous years, didn't go off to a great start, lost his place. He's, he's back in this year, has got off to a decent start. Um, he's going to have his, his work cut out with the likes of Sue and, 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 and Vita V. So certainly, yeah, I mean, I mean, hopefully, you know, we, we, we can try and get Brady uns, unsettled, um, certainly get to Brady, because I think if you're asking me that that's how you beat the box, I, I think you have to try and kind of curtail that passing game because they're, they're not going to be anything as, you know, as, as, as potent, you know, if, if they're not able to, to pass the ball freely. And certainly, yeah, I mean, that, that's one of our strengths, you know, if we can get Leonard Floyd around the corner, um, if we can maybe get a bit more out of Hollis as well, um, right around the other end, and certainly maybe try and get to Brady early, maybe try and get him rattled. You, you, you don't you don't massively, you know, bring take a guy like Brady out of the game. If you just remind him you're there, though, you know, that maybe the, the passes become shorter and, and you try to curtail that offence a little bit, you certainly give yourself a shot. Excellent. Jesse, do you want to come back on that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think you make great points there. I mean, the, the offensive line for this this Rams team is going to have their hands full. Uh, Vita Vea has been an absolute force through two, two games. Hasn't been able to finish on sacks, but the pressure he's been bringing up in the interior. And Stafford isn't, you know, he's not the most mobile guy. He can do some rollouts and some bootlegs, but... You know, it's going to kind of be the same same way. You know, you, you put that pressure in the mirror in the middle. I mean, we we watched Vita Vea take centers on, on trips to their quarterbacks the last two weeks. Just mm-hmm. you know, say hi. Um, so I expect more of that against this line, and, and it's really going to account on the Bucks pressure. You know, those guys. You know, getting up there in age and Sue and JPP and Shaq Baird on the other side, Joe Charn Shoyinka, the rookie to really finish. They need to finish and they need to disrupt this game, much like you need to do to Tom Brady. And that starts in the interior pass rush. And I know you could say that about every quarterback, but it's documented that, you know, he's, he did, Brady did throw a bootleg pass to to Rob Gronkowski for a touchdown, but he's, he's more of a guy who works well in, in the pocket and being able to step up in the middle of the pocket, make those slight little moves that makes defenders miss that buys them that extra second to get rid of the ball. That's how you got to disrupt them. You know, I think, you know, you look at this cornerbacking group other than Jalen Ramsey, and it's some guys that are still young and still trying to prove themselves. And I think Tom Brady's going to try to take advantage of that with the wide receiver core he has. Um, and, and same, you can be, say the same kind of for Matthew Stafford. You know, Jamel Dean is still progressing and getting better as a cornerback. They're they're missing Sean Murphy Bunting with injury, but Mike Edwards stepped up really in a, in a really big way last week. Uh, playing some nickel cornerback, won the defensive player of the world a uh, year. I mean, week with those two pick sixes. So um, it, it's it's going to be a battle um, back and forth between these two teams. I think they can both find ways to exploit each other. But if I'm the Bucks team and I'm looking to exploit this this Rams team in one way, where where should they be attacking? What what is the biggest weakness you think for this team? Is it u- utilizing Gronk against some of these inside linebackers? And, and safeties, or or is it just you know targeting Godwin maybe against some of these cornerbacks if they don't you know double team them? What's the best way to get after this this Rams team? Rob, 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's any great secret that maybe the linebacker core is maybe not the strongest part of our defence. So certainly, yeah, I mean, you know, Gronk's going to drift out there into the middle of the field and he's such a big target. Um, I, I think our linebacker core has improved, though. Um, I think that the first couple of weeks, you know, you've saw guys step up. You know, uh, as I say, Hollis, I think, stepped up, was getting to the quarterback. Um, I, I, you know, Troy Reader had a pick last week as well. Um, Leonard Floyd coming off a strong season last season. So I, I think there's certainly improvement there for us. But but yeah, if, if that's where you maybe want to maybe take some uh, some advantage of our defense, as maybe in the middle of the park there. Um, I, I I like you know I, I, you like Jalen 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 Ramsey on the outside. Um, but as you saw in the last couple of weeks, you know Raheem Morris is moving about the park. So guys like you know um, like, uh, like Darius Williams and that are, are stepping up on the outside. David Long Jr. You know, is, is play, playing pretty well as well. Um, and again, I, I like with two two safeties. I think Taylor Rapps had a decent start to the season, so he has. So yeah, but the the middle of the park is is probably going to be maybe certainly a soft spot for us um, if you're looking to attack it. Would you think if Antonio Brown can play this week, and you know, would you rather have Jalen Ramsey follow Chris Godwin through the slot and kind of double team with a safety Mike Evans, or would you rather see you know Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans? What would you guys rather see? Tony, um, no, I think this is one for you, Rob. I think you 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 um, flow keep going. Well, you, you know, you, you look at the two the, the two ways that we're played, Jalen Ramsey, because you saw him last year, you know, and 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 the, the old defense, and he was he was on the outside, he was more or less taking care of your number one receiver. Where th- this year they're moving him about, playing playing him a lot in the slot, more to the line of scrimmage as well. Um, I if I'm taking one of those receivers away, um, it's probably yeah, it's probably Godwin, um, and I'm certainly saying to Jalen Ramsey, you know, that that maybe initially. Um, try and take him out of the game a little bit. You know, he's he's maybe the maybe the deeper threat as well. Although you know, none of them are slouches certainly. Um, but yeah, I think he he's the one guy that I'm very conscious of maybe getting behind the defense. Um, and I'd be saying to Jalen maybe early on, just you know, maybe have have some shadow on him certainly. Um, but you know, you you take one of those guys away. You know, if Antonio Brown does play, um, you know, he's he's such a wild card because you know, again, he can play anywhere. Um, he's, he's on the outside, you know. He's, he, he can bring him inside, and, and Mike Evans just a, a cracking big, you know, possession receiver. Um, it, it, it's so it's so difficult to see. I would take one of these guys away. I, I think personally, you know, and I'm no defensive coordinator, but I, I would be looking more at a blanket defense, and I'd be saying at halftime, okay, we're playing this blanket defense. Where are the hotness just now? Where are the hotness at halftime? And then I'd be making my adjustments. I don't think I'd be. I don't think I'd be homing in on one guy with all those weapons. Yeah, I see. For for me, and, and a lot of these, you know, these Bucks fans out here, uh, I wrote about it uh, on uh, Wednesday's roundtable. Um, I, I think Cooper Cup's the guy to watch. I mean, the last time he played this team, he went out for 11 catches, 145 yards, did everything but score key third down contributions in in two games over the past, you know. Uh, two contests against this Bucks defense. He has, you know, <laughs> 20 catches on 20 receptions, uh, over 226 yards and a touchdown. So I think, you know, with Matt Stafford, you know, his arm, I, I think he's a real guy to watch um, because depending on how they use him and depending on the coverage that they play, uh, you know, Jamel Dean could have his hands full with a guy like Cooper Cup if he's matched up on him. So he's a guy that I'm really looking at, you know, on this Rams team is, 
you know, you kind of need to stop. You need to stop Robert Woods too, because he caught uh, 12 balls for a hundred, I think a hundred and, you know, 25 yards and a touchdown last year. So, I mean, both of these guys can, can move the chains, can make big plays, but Cooper cup, I think with the addition of Matt Stafford, he, he, he's a guy that I think Bucks fans and, and this Bucks defense need, need to look out for, for sure. I mean, you, you can't see this, JC, but I've just got a massive grin on my face because I, I don't know if you've managed to listen to any of our podcasts in the past, but I'm, I'm a massive Cooper Cup fan um, to the detriment of the rest of the team sometimes. But um, it is good to hear that opposition um, takes the guy seriously because I, I think he's really started to add to his game this season. He wasn't a, he was a good player before, but the number of times he was on the line blocking um the, the, already this season, you know, he's, he's been a bit of a revelation already. You know, he started the first two games on fire. Um, I, I honestly think the you know there is no ceiling for what he could do this season. Um, but you 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 pretty much come to the end of the questions we have. You've you've already. I assume you're sticking with um, your prediction of a of a Tampa Bay win this Sunday. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, are you, are you sticking with the Rams as for winning this, this this Sunday? Do you know I I am Tony, and I'll tell you quickly where I'm coming from, guys. I, I remember watching the Rams and Bucks game last year, and and obviously the, the the Rams won that game. And if you had told me after that game that the Bucks were going to go on and win the Super Bowl, I don't think I would, I would have agreed with you. But certainly, I know a, a few pieces came into that team. You know, certainly kind of later in the season, and and they went from strength to strength. And as you, as you rightly said, JC, uh, you know that Brady became more familiar with the playbook, and and the rest was history. But I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm high on this Rams team this year. I I really am. And I, again, I just I just think they take some momentum into this game with the two wins that we've had, um, and I. I I, I'm going in a gut feeling here, guys, that, that I think we can beat you again. And as I say, that, that's just coming from the gut. Yeah. yeah I, go, JC. I'm just going to say, I think it's a close game. I, I, you know, it's either going to be, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I, I think it comes down to, to kick to a field goal, to a kicker. Wouldn't okay. surprise me. Yeah, we're okay. I, I can see points. I, I can see an, potentially an, a big offensive shootout. Um, and as you say, it wouldn't be the first time a game like this has came down to who has the ball last. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I'm giving my score prediction. I've got the Bucks 34, the Rams 31. Whether it's a last minute field goal or whether it's a field goal that just wins it, um, I, I think that's the case. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a good old fashioned Matt Gay miss field goal to, at the end to tie it, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a it's this game gets up into the sixties point total wise, and uh, there's just too many similarities I think on this on these teams. I think you look at the Bucks defense; it's a little more established. You look at the Bucks offensive line; it's it's definitely a little bit more established. But you know, if you can buy Stafford the time, he can pick you apart with some of these weapons. Uh, he's just he's that good of a quarterback. Always been high on Matt Stafford, and then Sean McVay's offense. You know, he's going to have this team ready to go. Plus, it's cross country's trip. You know, can't count that out. It's going to be mm-hmm. loud in LA. Excuse me, those fans are going to be very loud, and uh, it, it's it's going to be. They're going to give them all that the Bucks can handle. I think it's a very good early test. I don't know why this game isn't on prime time, but that 4:25 uh, America's game net window. It's you know, technically, I guess prime time because the whole country will have this game. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a great game to watch. 
two competitors who I think will probably end up meeting again down the line in the playoffs. Yeah, I think if I can just add as well quickly, guys, I think there's a, there's a couple of kind of things that, that will transpire later in this week um, that I think could go a long way for both teams. And one of them, quickly, as you said, is whether Antonio Brown is going to play, actually. And the other one, I think, for us is Daryl Henderson. Um, I believe they're waiting on a decision kind of tomorrow about Daryl Henderson. Um, but if Daryl Henderson doesn't play, then, you know, that certainly swings a bit of momentum towards Tampa, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Sonny Michelle looked good for the Patriots in preseason. He did. Um, uh, so if he can kind of go in there and be that guy, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be tough against the Bucks because they've had the number one ring rush defense since 2019, currently sitting at number two. Um, but, you know, I, I, and the same thing with Antonio Brown, losing him uh, is definitely going to hurt hurt the team's chances. But, you know, both of these teams, you know, missing key players, it, it's going to be in, interesting to see how it goes out. The good news is for Antonio Brown is he's asymptomatic. He needs two negative tests within 48 hours to be able to come back and, and play. And we're only on Wednesday. So this buys him a little bit of time there, but the Bucks are going ahead and planning to, you know, life without him. And if he can play, it's all gravy. Um, with Daryl Henderson, is a little bit more of an injury factor to see if he can play. But, yeah, I think I think those two players are going to be, you know, very key, especially for pass protection uh, with Matt Stafford, um, trying to get the run game established, something that, you know, is, is, is tough to do against this defense. But And, and having that extra threat on the offense for the Bucks. So great, great points there to, to, to end it out. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for joining us um, today, JC. Uh, it's been great to get the insight from the other side of the fence, so to speak. Um, thanks for taking the time to actually reach out to us and, and come on board. Hopefully, if we meet in the playoffs at some point, you'll 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 extend you'll get back in touch and we can we can revisit this conversation. Absolutely, I, I would love to definitely. And I, I think you know this is my pick for the NFC Championship game. I had it before the season, so. We'll see if it can come to fruition. Uh, both teams have a long, grueling road ahead of them with that extra game. Uh, but you know, this this game early is going to be a test for both of these teams, for, uh, truly. Excellent. Well, thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll pick up the conversation soon. Thanks, JC. Absolutely. If you guys want to follow me, go to uh, on Twitter at JC Allen NFL and follow all of our work. If you want to get a little bit more insight for this week's game, at PeterReport.com. Absolutely. Cheers. And as I think, you know, we don't often have um, opposition fans or reporters on the podcast, um, but I thought that was really good value, Rob. It was indeed, yeah. It's actually a very knowledgeable guy and very nice to speak to him and nice of him to take the time as well for us. Yeah, as uh, you know, obviously the, the time difference is the middle of the afternoon down there in uh, Tampa Bay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hopefully we do get him back um, in the postseason and we have uh, as good a chat again. Indeed, um, yeah, look forward to it. Excellent. So I think that moves us on to the questions from social media. Um, do you have them up on your screen or not? Because I've got them here and I can ask you the questions, Rob. Um, I don't have, but I'm happy to answer this to the best of my abilities, yes. Excellent. Right. Let, let's start with Facebook, see who we have here. Um, well, just a bit of a shout out to Brandon Johnson, who is based in the US, was asking where he could listen. So he's a, hopefully he's listening to this episode as well. So thanks for the question there, Brandon. Um, 
let's go for a simple one here, hopefully from Daniel Flint, who's a regular correspondent. What three things do we need to improve on for us to beat the books next week? Crikey. Um, for me, the first one really was was really be able to see out a game without, without um, any major mistakes would be one for me. Rob? Yeah, um, for me, there's there's a couple actually. Um, quickly, um, I don't know, and you, I'm, I'm sure you did, Tony, but I don't know if people realised just how well we didn't have many, but there was a few drop passes in that game against the Colts. You know, some kind of, you know, just a wee bit of inconsistency in the in, in the pass catching. I'm not going to name any names, but there was a couple in third down. You know, that did kind of hurt us a little bit. So. I think maybe a wee bit more consistency there just from from some of the pass catchers. Um, and the, the other thing as well actually was is trying to establish a little bit more of a running game early in the game for me. I, I know we're hurting at that position. I know Daryl Henderson's a bit banged up. But I think to be honest with you, you know, yes, we have all the tools to, to be a pass-heavy team, um, but, but that, that, that will only really play well um, if there is certainly a running game to, to kind of threaten with. Um, I think we'll see maybe more from Sony Michelle. Um, I know we actually we we actually signed a guy to the practice squad as well. Actually, um, Javian Hawkins. Um, so don't be surprised if that name pops up. You know, if, if the likes of Daryl Henderson can't uh, be be good to go. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think certainly you know maybe the, the, a bit more consistency with the the pass catching and uh, and maybe establishing a bit more of a running game. Excellent. I think that's three things for Daniel. Uh, hopefully he's happy with those answers. Um, Mark Presland, another of our regular correspondents. Um, hi, Mark. Um, given the 2-0 start of the three uh, out of the four NFC West teams, which do you currently fear facing the most, Niners or Cardinals, Rob? You know something, I, I think they're both very good teams and, and I think most people are aware we're in a very difficult uh, division. Um, of the two teams, I actually think the 49ers are maybe slightly the strongest, but not by much. Um, and, and I have actually said in my predictions, you know, that, that the Cardinals are more than capable of beating us this year. Um, very quickly on the Cardinals, I, I think the Cardinals are much better than many people are giving them credit for. I think they, they did a few things well in the off-season with bringing in the likes of... Uh, uh, JJ uh, Watt, um, AJ Green. I think these guys, you know, veterans still with a lot of trade in the tyres. Um, they made a big trade with the Raiders to bring in uh, Rodney Hudson as well. So they've really, they've really established a, a stronger offensive line. Um, I think uh, Kylan Murray. And this will be his third year, I think. Don't quote me on that. I think this is his third year. Um, and Cliff King Kingsbury's air raid offense. So I think he'll be more established and more, more able to run that now. He was a wee bit banged up to the back end of last year. Um, you look at what they've done so far this season, you know, they had a good one in week one. Um, guys like Chandler, Chandler Jones had five sacks um, playing at the opening, I think, at the just behind J.J. Watt. So that's opened up a door for him um, if he's bringing home five sacks in a game. Um, and as I say, they have they good good veteran linebackers but they have good young linebackers sitting behind it so I think there's 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 good depth there at the linebacker position yeah it gets a little bit weaker when you go into the secondary for the Cardinals um, they, they moved on from Patrick Peterson um, Malcolm Brown did, uh, Malcolm Butler didn't work out for them he did retire in the off season so they're hurting a bit there but don't be surprised if the Cardinals go into the, the playoffs um, with the 49ers and potentially of ourselves it would not shock me if the three of us make the playoffs the playoffs this year um, and as I say I think of the two teams though I think the 49ers just pip it for me 
Excellent. I, I was going to try and pull you up at the end there for not actually answering the question, but well done for actually answering it right at the end. There. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah. I, I've got a bit of a simpler answer, really. You know, it's just the last couple of seasons, the Niners seem to have had our number, and we seem to have had the Cardinals' number. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I think the toughest yep. games we'll face are against the Niners, uh, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy against the Cardinals, um, but I, I think we've hopefully we've got the hoodoo over them. Um, and, and like you yep. say, you know, I, I can honestly see um, three teams. Um, from the NFC West going to the playoffs this this season, um, I think it was nearly on last season, um, but then we there was a lot of to and froing in the last couple of weeks, um, which meant that we we didn't send three teams. But uh, I think that's the strength of the division, is that a lot of people talk about this division potentially sending three playoff teams. Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. You know, you look at the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo has had uh, two two good games this season. He's playing. Luke- over his shoulder this year because obviously they drafted Trey Lance, the, the, the young rookie, and they gave up a lot to move up in the draft to get this guy. So I, I, I think that, the, the, yeah, this could be the future for them, Trey Lance, but he's, he's also a bit of kind of cover as well because Jimmy G has been a bit injury prone. So they've certainly strengthened that position there. Um, you, you look at the wide receivers, you know, um, uh, Tebow Samuels, um, George Kittle at tight end, you know, two, two very decent receivers. George Kittle being one of the best tight ends in the league. Um, you know, I, I like. Kyle Shanahan, you know, good friend of Sean McVeigh. Um, I think he's a great coach. I mean, he's, he's been to the Super Bowl a couple of times, so that, that speaks for itself. You look at the defence, the Portland's defence is always strong. Um, they, they have a standout corner just now in Jason Barrett as well. Again, he's had some injuries in the past, but, but, but again, they look a very well-rounded team. Um, they didn't lose much in free agency. Um, so, yeah, I think the Portland's are going to be a, like, a, a really good uh, task for Indy this year. Okay, jumping across to Twitter and Kieran White asks, do you miss the crazy special team players from the early 2010s as much as I do? Fake punts, punt returns, generally wild plays. I mean, I know we're much better now than we were back then, but damn, those plays were fun. Um, Yes, um, but I think it's because we were so bad that we, um, at the time, that we, we highlighted our special teams as something um, sp- very special at the time um, and I always remember Tavon Austin, Stedman Bailey that um, punt against Seattle which mm-hmm. it was Stedman Bailey who, well it was Tavon Austin who signalled that you know, everybody thought he was going to catch the ball and then it was actually Stedman Bailey who ran the, down the other touchline for the score Brilliant and a great recall, Tony. Well done. Um, I, remember, I remember it well. And you know, hands up, you know, anybody who wasn't watching actually to Tavon Austin on that because it was it was a it was a work of art, wasn't it? You know, because your eyes were just drawn to where all the where all the 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 the, the defending team was going to, you know. And then there's Sir Stedman Bailey just tiptoeing along the, the other sideline with the ball. Um, it was. It, it was poetry in motion and, and a great recall from you, Tony. It was a great day. And yeah, and, and, and the question is, you see, I, I, I miss those days. Um, as I say, we, we, we did have a bit of jiggery-pokery with the, the special teams. Um, and I think we had to have back then because we, we, we had to try and get something from somewhere um, when it wasn't working. Um, and yeah, and, and that was something that the route we took. It was, yeah. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, I was, you know... I mean, Going back to that particular play, I was I was particularly excited when we signed both Stedman Bailey and Tavon Austin in the same draft. Um, I, I thought I thought it was a great draft to pick um, a receiving pair like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, roommates I believe as well. You know, they were obviously very familiar with each other, so it was a nice tandem to get in the draft. Yeah, 
Yeah, I thought so. Um, question from Dazed Pinhead on um, on Twitter: um, How excited are we for the Kate Warner movie? Um, yeah, I mean, I have to admit that that's a bit of my era. Um, I, I I was was following the Rams closely at the time, um, and we we were coming off the the one of the worst seasons we had ever had. Um, I I watched the the whole thing actually transpire in real in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I remember the injury to Trent Green. Um, I remember Kurt Warner coming on, and I remember that season, and it was just, it, it was difficult to follow um, over here in the UK at the time because obviously we didn't have the kind of the, the all the internets and the, the game pass and things we had now. But I followed it certainly to the best of my abilities back then, um, and it was it was absolutely it was it was the fairy tale, wasn't it? It was the absolute mm-hmm. fairy tale, you know, Kurt Warner from the Arena League. Um, you know, was was always always just going to be the backup. Um, got his shot, um, and it was it was just it was again I can't describe it any more than just a fairy tale. You know, um, because we had drafted Tory Holt that year, um, we had traded with the Colts um, to bring in Marshall Falk. Um, so the, the backbone of a very strong team was there. Um, you know, guys were already on the roster like Ricky Prohl as Zahir Hakim. Um, you know, the t- there was depth at tight end with guys like Roland Williams and er- Ernie Conwell. Um, the Rams were going to be a strong team that year anyway, I believe, you know, with uh, Trent Green. Um, but the, the Kurt Warner coming in when Trent Green went down with a knee injury um, is, is what turned it into that fairy tale and, and, and hence the film has come from that. Mm. It opens in the US on Christmas Day, apparently. Um, so I have no idea when when or if we'll get it across in the UK. Um, but hopefully by that time, you know, mid-January, late January, early Feb, I suppose, um, that might be a good call for a meet-up at some point or somewhere. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I think that would be a great excuse to meet up, so would. So, um, yes, thanks, Dave's Pinhead. I think um, the answer is succinctly very excited to watch that movie in the future. Indeed, indeed. Excellent. So that just about wraps up the questions. I know we're, we're a little bit pushed for time this evening. Um, another trade of a player is that um, Micah Kaiser, Mika Kaiser um, has been taken from the practice squad by the Denver Broncos today. Ah, right. I didn't know, know, know that, Tony. That, that's actually news today. I hadn't picked that up. Um, I, I liked what I saw from him early on last year. Um, I, I think he, he drifted away a little bit after maybe that initial kind of, kind of good play and found himself in the practice squad this year, certainly after, you know, the, the off-season. Yeah, I think that news is only about three hours old now, so it is fairly new. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think he has been down the pecking order because everybody else in front of him has been playing um, particularly well so far. So wish him well. Um, I, I believe it's a, a scheme um, that he should know, should fit into quite well. So, yeah, let's, let's hope he does well there for him. We, we don't play them this season, do we? Uh, I'd have to check. I don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell, to be honest. Uh, I hope not. Cause, uh, I hate it when players move mid-season and come back with their playbook in their hands. Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I, I don't think there's ever any other general team moves or anything to discuss. Um, one, one small thing, Tony, just an update on Justin Lawler um, from the game. Um, he is out with a broken hand and, and could miss it. Some could miss, you know, some several weeks certainly with that with that injury. And as I say, uh, and as I said uh, as well, Daryl Henderson, um, I believe it's a, a rib cartilage. I think so. I'm hoping to get an update tomorrow. Um, I think Sean McVay was sounding positive about um, the 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 injury to Daryl Henderson. Um, so hopefully we get some good news on that tomorrow. 
Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for updating us on that, Rob. Um, we covered the, um, the 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 books game in in, in some depth with JC Allen. So I think that just about wraps us up, Rob. Unless you've got anything else you wish to get off your chest. No, not at all. Pleasure as always, Tony. Excellent. Well, ver- thank you very much for your time this evening, Rob. Great to catch up with you. Thanks to JC Allen for being a special guest this evening, and thank you all for listening. Cheers, folks. <laughs>